Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm excited today. I've got one of my good friends and uh, fellow Aussie counterparts, Sam Walker from Aussie Prospect. He's the co-director of Aussie Prospect. He's been there from eight years since 2009. Welcome, Sam. Thank you, Ross. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, so you've won numerous awards uh, in your career. So you've been Aussie's number one franchise for, I think, since uh, 2018. Um, prestigiously, you were nominated in the top 25 brokerages by MPA. And you've, in 2019, you won the Australian Broking Awards Best Franchise. So, so you know, for, for you and your, your, your co-directors, there's some, some great achievements there, Sam. Certainly are, Ross, and we're extremely proud of it. Very proud. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I always knew that you were going to be successful. Do you remember we sat down and we had a beer, uh, I think it was at the Sydney conference, and you'd just taken over the, the prospect store and you pulled me aside and uh, you said, hey, I want to sit down, I want to pick your brain, right? And from yep. that day, I knew, you know, you guys were going to be super successful, right? In terms of you were clear, you were determined, um, you know, mediocrity wasn't in your sights. You were planning on creating something great and you've uh, certainly done that, Sam. Thank you very much, Ross. And I must thank you for your help. And especially on that uh, afternoon that we caught up for the beer, that was, uh, yeah, I was really uh, impressed the fact that uh, you made yourself available straight away for me, which uh, certainly uh, gave us a lot of insight in where we needed to go and what we need to do. Beautiful. Beautiful. So just tell me a little about your journey. I love to hear people's stories of how they got started in broking. Um, so tell me a bit of the, the Sam Walker backstory, how you uh, got started within the industry. Uh, I used to be in the pub game and one of my assistant managers came across to Aussie to be a broker. And uh, after a couple of years of, uh, of him being in the industry and being my broker personally, um, Look, one day I, I just had enough of hotels and he came around to have a beer and we sat down and uh, had a bit of a chat on a Saturday night. And um, the next thing, uh, about a week later, I walked into the Aussie office in Adelaide and uh, put my hand up and said, uh, look, I think I want to be a broker. So it really was as simple as that back then. Yeah, back so then. you had the experience of being served by a broker and you thought, hey, that's something that, that I love and I can see myself doing. And uh yeah, you uh, quit the pud game and into the, the broking game. So, uh, yeah, yeah, bit of uh, chalk and cheese. Which one do you enjoy more? I definitely enjoy broking more. I get my life back and uh, don't have to work weekends and public holidays and Christmas Day. So yeah. definitely broking. Yeah, love it. Such a, such a good industry and obviously you can, you can help so many people and, uh, and get so much back. So that's where you started. That's where you got your start. And so tell me what the first few months were like in a new industry for you. Uh, I had no idea. I, I honestly didn't. My first uh, appointment, um, gentleman came down. We, we had a bit of a chat and uh, it was back in the days of a, a no-doc loan. And uh, I just 
just had no idea. I um, stopped the interview halfway through, walked around the corner, grabbed my uh, mentor, dragged him in and said, mate, you just got to help me write this deal because I've just got no idea because um, reality was completely different to what everyone else told me. So um, yeah, it there was heaps of learning on the go and make massive amounts of mistakes and uh, just really just touch and feel it and see what happens and just cross your fingers that, um, yeah, basically learn by mistakes, which um, which wasn't the best way to learn, but hey, uh, you certainly, you learned to run pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think, you know, from memory, uh, you did sort of get up the ranks in, um, I think you started in the Aussie mobile channel, you did get up the, the ranks in the mobile channel in South Australia quite quickly. So, Looking back on those early days, what do you think the keys for you being successful early on in, in, in your broking was? Uh, I certainly had a good state manager that uh, basically um, had a very direct approach and uh, that worked well for me. So he gave his ongoing guidance continuously and didn't hold back and just told it like it was and made sure that you... Um, followed his uh, his method uh, there were some people that chose not to so he just let them go to the wayside and they would just um go about it their own way but uh, no i i went and saw him every single day and sought guidance and um just said mate you know how to do this just teach me how to do it which uh, he did with a very firm hand should we say <laughs> and so what were the key disciplines that you learned from that sort of you know, from, from back in those days? What were, what were some of the key habits that you took away from those? I remember going to the first day of training and my mentor, the gentleman that got me into broking, he said, mate, there's three rules you need to know in this game and it's follow up, follow up and follow up. And uh, he also taught me that you need to call 100 people to see five people to write a deal. Um, so I, I knew right from the very start what I needed to do. Um, it was just uh, on the phones, following up, keeping my clients happy, but then also, on the other hand, doing enough marketing to get in front of, well, speak to 100 people to get in front of five to write one. So that was something that was uh, instilled in me right from the very start. Beautiful. So. Love it. And, you know, what a, that's, you know, what a great mentorship. And I love you know, what you were saying about you would seek out mentorships. And even now, right, you're in the top 25 brokerages and you're constantly reaching out. You, I know you attended my masterclass the other day and, you know, we've spoken about various things over time. So you're always looking to grow. And I think that's the, the secret of really successful people in that, um, in, in brokerages that they're, it's, you know, what they know, they learn when they know it all that counts. And I, I really admire that about you, Sam, as well. Thank you, Ross. Yeah, no, I, I figured you got to learn from the best. And as you did for me and opening up your office tours that day when we popped over from Adelaide to Sydney to see how it operates, like we return the favour to people, like come along, have a look at what we do. And because that person's going to give us a tip or two when they walk into our office as well. So we can all learn off each other. Yeah, and on that, and again, I think, you know, you came and you saw the structure of our team and you saw how we did things and ran our business. And I know you, you went back and implemented and changed a few things. So talk to us a little bit about the structure of your business and some of the key elements that, that you've put in place in Aussie Prospect. 
Uh, well, our structure works. We've uh, we started off with three directors and uh, three brokers and one assistant. Um, one of those brokers um, three two years ago bought in to Aussie Prospects. So we've now got four directors and underneath us we've now got um, twelve mortgage brokers. Some of those receive leads. Uh, the majority of them generate their own leads. Um, the directors have their own assistants. Some of us have two. Um, and therefore, we're not separate, but we're all effectively one team working towards the benefit of each other. Um, although we do have direct reports for our PAs, we found that um, we were sharing PAs at the very start, but we found consolidating them works a little bit better for us. Um, the brokers, uh, a couple of those brokers have PAs as well. Um, and all our brokers get to use the services of a young lady who sits on the front desk. She basically looks after post approval for them and construction. So they get the, uh, the benefit of that. And we've got a few, two brokers actually looking to take on the services of a, of a full-time assistant. We've also got an office manager slash operations manager who started with us a year ago. Um, she basically uh, looks after the entire team, brokers and directors likewise. She runs the show. Um, so she's basically taken that weight off our shoulders. Um, and then we've got a couple of people we outsource some data entry to who sometimes come into the office but generally work remotely. Yeah, beautiful. And that's so a, a great team and obviously, you know, having 12 brokers and you mentioned some of them on leads and some of them, Ah, and I think, you know, what a lot of the brokers that I speak to struggle with, you know, that development and sort of retention of mortgage brokers and, you know, getting to the point where they don't require your leads anymore. And I know this is something that you're particularly strong at and, and something that you do very, very well. So talk us through your process of sort of onboarding a broker, getting them on leads and then transitioning to the point where they can... Um, yeah, they don't require leads anymore. Look, when, when you start with us, uh, generally most brokers do go onto leads, Ross, and they're receiving leads from uh, one 300 numbers, the odd person that walks in. But we also teach them how to fish. So we'll take them out, introduce them to real estate agents, conveyances, uh, property managers, accountants, lawyers, anyone who can refer them business. We develop a network for them. So they've got a relationship. So when someone walks into their office to um, speak to them about, say for the accountant, for example, the accountant looks at their financials and says, well, you know what? You not, might need a, a review on your home loan. But in turn, our mortgage broker has the ability when someone walks into their offices and is asking about investment properties, then the mortgage broker says, well, you need to speak to an accountant. They don't have a relationship. So therefore the mortgage broker refers there. So we have, I call it a game of tennis encourage the broker to play tennis with the referral partner. You send me one, I send you one, send a couple. Sometimes it will be a lot of one-way traffic, but build the relationship up, generate the leads, because everyone knows that a referral lead is so much better than just a cold call, someone walking into the office or dialing up the 1300 number on a Saturday afternoon when they're just thinking about something. So we encourage them to, uh, to generate their own leads as well. And the sooner they can get off those leads, the better off they are. Their income will also increase because we increase their commission rate when they come off leads 
so that also gives them the incentive to get off those leads as soon as possible. Beautiful. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned you've had some brokers that have been with you for years now. And um, so you're obviously doing something right. What do you think the key to sort of really building that team culture is, you know, especially within the broking ranks? Um, I think it's the support that they get. Um, that's one thing when someone comes to see us, like we have a lot of people walking out front door wanting to be a broker, but you've got to mesh with the team. Um, you've got to have the right personality. But then in return, we give you what we call pretty much the ultimate level of support. You have the ability to go and see four directors uh, almost at any time of the day or night to get feedback on the deal that you're doing. Um, we roster it, so we have one director on each day. Um, but the broker just goes, look, I'm having a really hard deal here, Sam. This is the, the deal. Can you give me some guidance on where I should go and how I should structure it and what I should look out for? And that's where we sell ourselves is that knowledge um, that we can provide that new broker when they're looking for guidance. And I think that's where a lot of young brokers fall down. They don't have someone to go to that can that is actively working in the market that can give them that guidance that they need. Oh, exactly. So and, thing. you know, knowing the four directors, you're all quality business writers and with quality amount of experience. So, you know, what an opportunity to, to come and into a business like prospect. And again, you're not just getting Sam, you're getting Sam and, you know, three of his counterparts that are super experienced. Um, you know, huge value proposition, massive, right? Massive. And, um, and something that, you know, again, as a broker, you'd love. Um, you know, we know the vanilla deals are the the rare ones. So yes. to uh, to be able to bounce these off um, you guys, and I know how passionate you are about what you do. So um, yeah, amazing. Congratulations on that as well. So in terms of, um, and again, we were looking at you know, the structure of a team and how well you're actually looking at your, your team. But something that oppressed me, and I know we were chatting in sort of some groups around the, around the COVID uh, first lockdown you know, just over 12 months ago. Um, but I learned something in terms of, you know, the way that you actually look after your existing clients that was, was really impressive. So I think that's worth sharing. Do you want to talk how you sort of service your existing customer base, Sam? Uh, well, me personally, my customers are contacted uh, numerous times throughout the year through um, just some generic emails, but also some personal emails. Um, one of them I'll be sending out tonight because we've just gone into lockdown here. So I see people have time on their hands. So I'll be informing them of some competitive fixed rates. So they'll get that personal email as well. But also um, once a year, we will invite them to a movie night. So that's just open slather, 500 people in a cinema. We take care of everything, drinks and snacks. So that's a bit of socializing for them. But most importantly, um, my customer will be contacted once a year for a rate review. So um, we will actually price their loan for them with their current lender before we've even spoken to the customer. I'll then come back to them with an email and it'll be something along the lines of, Hey, Ross, hope you're well. Uh, mate, it's been a year since I've priced it. I've priced a loan with, um, with Macquarie. They've come back with a rate of 2.64. Not a bad rate, Ross. Um, based on what I know about you, there is a rate in the market you could obtain probably around, let's say, 2.34. Let me know if you're interested in looking at your options whenever you've got time. So 
I'm pricing their current rate, I'm reducing it generally to a the most competitive rate that their lender will provide. So when they come back to me, if they're looking for uh, more competitive rates or a, a new structure, I'm comfortable that I've already gone to their current lender and got the best rate. So I'm not getting that retention at a later date. So I can openly then speak to the client and go, right, well, if this is what you want to do, this is what we're looking at and this might be most suitable for you. So I'm never, ever worried about that retention at uh, one week prior to settlement. Yeah, definitely. And do you, I mean, I know a lot of brokers sort of cover that. How do you cover that conversation around retention? Is that something you bring up prior to um, to actually going ahead with the refinance with your clients? Honestly, Ross, no, I, I never do. And I cannot tell you the last time that I lost a deal to retention because I'm squeezing the, the lender that hard before I've initiated the conversation, I can honestly say I don't sit there. Now, if, 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 if I thought about it and I was concerned there might be retention there, I'd actually say to you, I'd go, well, Ross, you know what's going to happen in about a week's time when I drop in the discharge authority, the bank's going to try and win you back. Just be short, sharp and sweet with them. And just remember when that telephone call was made, they did not care about you last week and they've only cared about you due to me pressuring them. So why will they care about you again in the future? Yeah, and I just install that in your head that you're unhappy and we're moving because they haven't looked after you. So exactly. And I think it's important to, to verbalise that sort of unhappiness in terms of, you know, in terms of the reason. And obviously they wouldn't be approaching you um, to refinance if they were obviously happy. And I'm sure, you know, a high percentage of you, your clients are just happy to stay where they are, but it's yep. the... The ones that aren't that will then take you up on the option to to look at um, you know moving and again normally there's a reason that people refinance as well yeah. right it might be to do a, a kitchen or a bathroom or to to buy an investment property you know quite often yeah. it's not purely for rate there's some other reason as well as rate that uh, people are looking at refinancing. Couldn't agree more. A rate-driven person will always leave you for rate as well in the end. So you've just you've got to add them add more value than just rate alone. Yeah. So the other thing, you know, and I know we chat as, as sort of being high performers, uh, you know, together when we're with Aussie together, and we would talk about, you know, the the sales focus and how you know a lot of people overcomplicate this business and. Actually, if you really simplify this business, it's not that hard, right? And in terms right. of talking about, you know, just what your daily disciplines are and how you um, sort of manage your time. So I'd love to explore that because I think there's some huge lessons for a lot of brokers in, in what you do and how you manage yourself. Uh, I'm a lover of the calendar. It's, if it's not in my calendar, it, it, it almost doesn't get done. So, um, yeah, very conscious of, uh, of time management and blocking out periods of my day to do specific tasks, whether or not it be um, marketing, uh, making telephone calls or um, putting deals together. But something I'm an advocate of is um, calling the database and calling the clients regularly and keeping them updated and just letting them know that I'm here and um, I use a customer relationship management tool which allows me to do that. Um, but quite often, I would say over a weekly period, I would be doing anywhere from probably 120 to 150 proactive calls, keeping people updated. And um, uh, 
just saying g'day and uh, effectively in a roundabout way. Give us an business. example of just your spiel. Obviously, you make 500 of these calls a week. What, what um, is what, what it would be if you were calling me and we were a sort of good relationship and a, what would the conversation sound like? It would, I'd have a note in my CRM about what we discussed last time. Yeah. So let's say last time we, uh, you were, you just bought your first home and your idea, okay, I'll run a conversation I had today with someone who I'm speaking to after this phone call. She settled on her first property one year ago. She has said to me, Sam, after a year, let's refinance, get some cash out um, and have a look at something. The years come up, she hasn't called me. I have spoken to her this morning via text and she's just appreciated the reminder and she's gone done. Let's make a telephone call time for 5.30 today. Um, so that was a fairly easy one. But uh, the cold callers, maybe that person that's on a savings plan, I'll just ring you up and go, Ross, you know, Sam from Aussie here. We touched base six months ago. You told me you were looking to save X amount of dollars, just sort of touch base, give you an update on the market and uh, see how your savings are coming along and then shut up and wait for the client to talk and let them do the talking and um, see where it takes us. He might come back and he might say, you know what, I've only got 15 grand saved up. I need to get to 40. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm going to get there. I'll make a note. I'll go, Ross, cool. I'll touch base in the six months, but you know how to find me. Keeping in mind that client's still getting those um, once every three month general emails. We'll also be invited to the movie night. Beautiful. And so forth like that. So it's just a couple of examples where you've just got to be Speak to them like they're your neighbour, your friend, and just see what's going on. There's, and there's no selling. I, I honestly say I don't sell. I just provide a service. Yeah. So um, I think that's amazing. A great lesson there in terms of, you know, you're making 120 20 calls a week. I mean, that's 500 calls a month. Obviously, you know, you're doing good volumes and you've got a low dollar size in, in Adelaide and to yeah. do the volumes that you personally do means that, you know, um, it doesn't just happen. There has to be a process behind it. And I love that you've got that, you know, commitment to, to doing those things. And another thing that uh, I loved when we were sort of talking is you sort of, said you'll just do it on when you're like doing exercise or something like that you'll sometimes you'll just call people when you're going for a walk around the block yep. and, yeah yeah so we're in lockdown now i can't go anywhere apart from within 2.5 k's of my home so i'll um it's actually funny like this is not set up but uh, there's the list that i've uh, already written for my evening walk and there's 25 people on there, which I would just call and they'll say, what's going on? I'll go, it's lockdown. I'm walking around the block. I thought I'd give you a call. And I'll be speaking to them about, there's several people on there, whether or not they're looking to buy a house, a couple of refinances, just saying day and multitasking and uh, killing two birds with one stone. Exactly. I love it. You're just looking to add value to people, right? You're just looking at, is there any areas that Sam can add value to your life? And this is how we get business. This is this yeah. is um, why why um, you're one of the top brokers in the country. That's for sure. So in terms of um, you know that's just one part of obviously your time management. You said you're quite disciplined with your calendar. Can you give me some more sort of other types of things that you will block out time for? Um, so. For instance, I blocked out an hour for this telephone call here. As soon as this phone call finishes, I blocked out an hour to speak to, about the lady who was buying an investment property. 
I've then got three other hour calls that are going to go on tonight until seven o'clock, just blocking out time to speak with clients because when they called me today, I was in the middle of doing something else. So I said to the client, hey, can I please give you a call between at six o'clock and we'll have a chat for half an hour at six o'clock. So it's not allowing them to interrupt my time during today where I'm putting together a couple of important deals that needed to be um, to be sorted out. I will block out time to go and see referral partners um, and block out time for um, things that are needed for family, et cetera. Um, yeah, and it's just, I've just got to run myself behind my diary. Otherwise things don't get done and that's the problem. And I will block out time to call, people say 10 before 10, cool. I'll block out the time between nine and 10 to call those people and, uh, and do the follow-up or to structure an email that I need to send out to my database. So it, it's almost anything, Ross, I will structure my day so much so that uh, yeah, it, there's a calendar invite in there for me to, to complete a task. Is there a ritual where you organize your week at a certain time or is it done on a daily basis? Just interested to, to hear. I do a little bit of work at a night time when I need complete quiet and to set up a tricky deal so that I haven't got the, I'm not distracted by emails and also the phone ringing. I tend to allow the times between 11 and about three just for answering telephone calls, sorting out emails, um, sorting out the PAs, making sure they're um, moving along nicely with deals. So I don't have too much structure between there, although it's structured, um, just to do the two minute tasks that can be done. Um, in the morning, I'll tend to do my telephone calls and um, sort out a couple of deals here and there and in the afternoon generally i'm doing meetings from three to seven let's say yeah so that's awesome. sort of a rough idea of, of how my day would pan out yeah i love it i love it i think that adds a lot of value in terms of the meeting in terms of working on the business and working with your other business partners is there any sort of structure around that how often you guys get together uh, there is every Tuesday morning between the hour of 9.30 and 10.30. We have a, a catch-up. If you can't be there, you can uh, zoom in. Um, and that's the four directors and the operations manager get together and uh, sort a few things out. But prior to that, we've, um, we've entered our thoughts into a, a OneNote and uh, answered some questions so it doesn't even need to be raised. So that's a, an ongoing um, document that we can uh, amend any time during the week where you put your idea in there, idea in there, and what you want to discuss. Um, but some stuff might be dropped in there on a Wednesday and sorted out by Friday. We're not even discussing it the next Tuesday. Yeah, I love um, that. And, and I love that you've got a forum and a central place that can be done because a lot of people get distracted when these things come up when they're not an urgent thing. It's not a now thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a great great tip for people as well to you know have that sort of central log whether you use you know one of the systems these days like trello or something like that to, to yep. have a central forum you mentioned OneNote um, where you can do that so yep. works well it's been a lot of value um today sam i always asked um you know at the end in terms of if you were a sort of a, a new broker or a broker that was looking to scale their business, what would be your advice 
to them? What would be your sort of one piece of advice to them? Um, and it sounds crazy, but you've got to go early. You've got to go earlier than you think you need to go. And we've learned that over the past 12 months. Um, we've gone early four times just in the past 12 months with what's going on. Um, we've sat back, had a look at it and gone, we're going to invest this much money in our next person. Do we really need it? Well, we don't really need them now, but we can see we're going to need them. And a lot of people go, oh, I'm going to wait until I do, I don't know, three months at $3 million back to back, and then I'll go and get my PA. Well, if you go and get your PA after that third month of $3 million in SA back to back, you're writing 10, 12 deals a, week, uh, a month you're then going to have to put your PA on. You'll actually slow down putting your PA on because they're going to need a lot of your time to get them up to speed. When you think you get, when, when you're working up to that 1.1, put your PA on then and let that PA drag you to the three and then use the PA to put the next PA on. And that's, so that's what we're doing now. RPAs do the onboarding. So I would say, I know it's hard and cash wise, it's hard, but you got, you just got to go that one, just that one, two or two months earlier than you think you need it. Yeah, I love that. And I always say invest ahead of growth. And you know what you said is is so so true. And you know if you can afford you know, half of their salary, they're going to pay for the for the um, more than pay for it in terms of freeing yourself up to focus on those you know uh, dollar productive activities. Um, yeah. So I think that's great. Um, thanks very much, Sam. It's uh, been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. There's been so much gold uh, that you've delivered today. Uh, so if you want to follow us on Facebook, we've got a, a group, The Billion Dollar Broker. It's a private group. Just request to join um, and you can follow us uh, on all the socials. So thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.